0: Alright, um, I've come back again on the same old, same old, oh there's gonna be a whole lot of same old, same old, here. it looks like we're just doing a revision on history here. Um, I was talking about family and shit the last time, yeah what can I say, family of ten, different mothers, uh, I met one of them. I didn't meet the others, but I met one of them. She was respectful. That was the mom of my our eldest, my eldest sister, stepsister, rather. I didn't meet the other ones. Okay, yeah, I think I did meet, I met two, to be precise. Respectful, I don't know. But anyways, yeah, ten, ten brother, ten in my family. um three brothers. So we four boys and six girls. I think we like five boys, from what I heard. I, I I ain't seen the other guy yet, but you know it is what it is. But anyways, yeah, it was a civil war type of family. That's my family. Talking about my family, civil, serious civil war type of family. About my childhood, I can only remember coming up with um a fight. My household was a household of fight. My mom was a nuclear warhead, like I used to say. My dad was a nuclear warhead, but it's crazy because I never seen love like that I mean it was it was an extremity, an irony. Two people who were very, very, very much in love would not let go of each other, but at the same time too fight like none other man i saw violence more in my folks than i ever saw in the outside world now i'm talking about i think my introduction to bloodshed was seeing my mom's part of me saying all these things but i just want you guys to get a little bit of an introspection deep introspection into why i think how i think how i act how i act you know so donald trump don't start bullshitting you because from what i got it Him and white America have been spreading a whole lot of disinformation about me. So, you know, so people don't see me acting somehow and don't understand why I do how I do. But anyways, yeah, that was my childhood growing up. A whole lot of fighting for my dad, actually. You know, he was raised in an old school setting. Now I'm saying I'm talking about real traditional bad old school setting. I mean, I remember coming up and he telling us that uh, I never looked my father in the eye. <laughs> That's how he, they grew up there. The father was, the, the, the dads were like God, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it's a little bit understandable being that uh, my family is royalty. So, you know, my grandpa, they had, you know, some royal, The royalty, what can I say? Um, had more than 20 aunts and uncles. I never met all of them completely, but you know, going to 30 or something, I can't even remember how many, you know, my granddad had wives like crazy all around, I mean, he married them, so I mean, we're not talking, you know, it's not like people going around giving women children and shit, no, he brought them to the house, he got married, he was a chief, he was royalty, so he could take care of all of that. It wasn't an issue to him. I mean, he was a minor, a very wealthy guy. You know what I'm saying? Had lands and all that. So, yeah, he could take care of his kids. He had all that money. But then again, um, you know, I guess maybe the kids didn't get grow up with a whole lot of home training because everybody was acting wild, kind of. So, yeah, a whole lot of things I saw in my dad, I didn't want to come up with, you know especially with the way I got to see my steps. Meanwhile, my mom was the only married wife to my father. The others were not married, so we get this down, correct. Only my mother was married to him. So, but I already had steps who were older than me before we came in. So with the way things were going, I I guess it's that same kind of mentality my dad wanted to bring in the house. I wouldn't say he was like wayward with us, my mom, the way it was partitioned was like he was the provider. My mom was the one to raise us. You know, my dad wasn't really, we didn't really talk much. I mean, yeah, I could remember him sometimes, you know what I mean? Come through with some shit, bye-bye. But I we, we really never had relationships with him. He would spend time doing what he was doing, you know, go out, kind of famous and stuff. He was a friendly guy from what I gathered. You know, I'm not going down him like that. From what I heard, we were talking about somebody who was very, very likable. You know what I mean? I mean, someone, I heard stories. You know, he had, when he had a whole lot of cheddar, he worked for the Nigerian Customs. So, you know, I mean, I heard a whole lot of stories. Somebody coming back with cars, buy like two cars, and when he gets back home, he comes back home with one. What happened? He gave the other one to someone on the road. You know what I mean, that's how he was generous. I think he had a good heart from what I heard because a whole lot of people knew him. You know what I'm saying? He was seriously famous. And um, But I think when he lost his job, he, he lost it somewhere down the line. But when he lost it, I think he lost his mind too with that. You know what I mean? So, you know, when the money went, he really started to act up. So somehow, all that materialized to wife beaten now I mean, so you know, growing up in a household where my mom was my mom didn't give a fuck, I mean as long as the guy treated her right, she was ready to raise other people's kids, raise other people's kids. I'm not just talking about my steps, but uncles and aunts that were related from my father's side she didn't even know she was you know putting a whole lot of people through school just carrying the whole family on her back. You know what I'm saying? Even with the guy messing up, you know, the beating and the fighting and the breaking shit on her head. I saw my mom bleed that I saw any other person bleed. I, I mean, we <laughs> we had red, we had marks in the house that were marked with her blood. I don't even want to go in there, but I, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't really an enjoyable childhood. Screaming, fighting, beating. You know I mean? first time I see anybody pistol-whip somebody was see my mom get pistol-whipped in front of me. And I'm talking about... Uh, that's crazy for someone who's not yet even 10 years old. I'm breaking all this shit down because I think it's good the world knows how I... You know, why I am how I am. And I'm talking about... You know, and... Uh, it was crazy. People said shit. You know, maybe they had voodoo running in that house... You know, his different women were trying to mess his mind up, break the marriage and stuff. But you know, all through thick and thin, I could remember my mom breathing heavy, bleeding down the staircase, getting chased round the street naked. You don't even want to know how I grew up, man. <laughs> you don't want to know. That's what I'm saying. And she's still saying no. She's not gonna leave him. If there's anything. I've never seen a woman. I mean. Fuck it man. Black women are strong. A woman saying. No matter what happens. I want you guys to always respect him. He's your father. With blood coming down her face. Her forehead. You you serious? No. I mean. Like. No matter what he does. I'm talking about like. Two minutes after getting beat up. We're not talking maybe they just get slapped or shit. No, I'm talking like seriously, like you're beating up an animal with blood running all over the place and shit. I saw violence, crazy violence growing up. You know what I mean? So, but still, uh, neighbors, everybody urging her, you know, leave this man, leave this man. I can remember walking around the street, two o'clock, three o'clock, suitcases, going to the neighbor's house to go sleep and shit. Looking for places to go stay and shit. You know what I mean? So, we didn't grow, I didn't grow up nice. I, I would always say that. So, a whole lot of things I saw from my dad, you know, the womanizing, although I never did see him womanizing for my front. He kept that to himself. He was very, I mean, my dad didn't drink, he didn't smoke. Whatever he did, probably he did it outside. One thing is that, whatever they did, they tried to leave a good example for us. But still, you know, with the fighting and shit, I said, nah, I wasn't going to grow up with that kind of bullshit, you know, for my wife or my kids, you know what I mean? I just wanted something totally different, genuinely different, no matter what I turned out to be. So the way shit was, I guess, and of course my mom too, I'm not going to exempt her from that, I mean, she was a good woman, but, you know, like... Every other person, they have their (laughs) faults. My mom was a fighter. She tell us like a tiger. So from from a youngin as well too, she she always loved to fight. So I guess I I took more of that from her than my or both of them nuclear warheads. So that's just the way I grew up to be again. But it's not really like you know, as a youngin, I was too much on that. You know, I I did my fighting in schools and stuff. But you know, (laughs) they always wanted us to grow up as decent human beings. We were, I mean, we were raised right because they didn't want us to have what they saw was nonsense or shit they saw in their own character. So, you know, we were raised right at least to an extent, you know. I mean, so. It's just what I'm just just a little bit expose on my own family. I can't really go too much in that. But, um, yeah, like I was saying, got my promoters emailing, emailing. Um, After my mom passed, I wasn't really like 16 or 17 or 15 when my mom passed. But after mom passed, um, she was like the binding, you know, the glue holding together the guy. So, when she passed, we started to see a whole lot of shit. I mean, that's the first time he started bringing chicks to the house. <laughs> I mean, we're not talking like daylight, you know, like at night to sleep over and shit. And some shit that I never saw about him. And I'm talking about... He was still the same guy, you know, played cool and shit. But, nah, nah, he 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 was... Shit, I don't I don't even... I said I would never. I mean, with me, it has to be one woman. You know, what I mean. However, it goes out to be. She has to be who I live and die for. You know, what I mean. If I have to force that in myself, I will end up doing that. And so, um, yeah. After my mom passed, I mean, when my mom passed, we were in school. Mom wanted us to go to college, even though there was no money in the house. She 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 sold 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 the jewelry, sold the clothes, wanted to put us through school. And I, I mean, I could remember how many times my childhood was. I, I I think I don't. I don't think I could contain all of that in a podcast. But hey, shit, you don't want to know. But anyways, um, yeah. As that was just you know taken up, the, however it was taken up, <laughs> we're holding it down. Dad left the house. After I left the street hustling, when I was coming back, he left the house because, you know, he probably thought, yeah, shit it was, shit was going to start popping for real. Because, you know, when my mom died and I was told I was in college, we had to drop out because we wanted our sister to have enough to pay this, you know, the fees, the tuition fees. Because, you know, I mean, my dad had my dad, <laughs> my dad introduced me to hustling he was the one who had me go into the streets because he didn't want responsibilities, you know. He was looking for an excuse. Now I'm talking because uh, you don't even want to know. But anyways, ended up chasing me out of the house um, over a car accident, which he didn't flush the brakes of the car, and he told me to go get the car. Um, I don't want to go into the details behind that one, too. That's some hideous shit again, too, but you don't want to know. (laughs) Anyways... Um yeah, when I came back and I almost died, he was more concerned about his car than my life after I survived an accident. You know, so he kicked me out of the house. I had to go to the streets, go hustle. Um, I laid down, you know, lived with my, I, I got raised by my grandmoms, my moms and the street. You know, so maybe that's why to a certain extent I have so much respect for women. Now I'm talking. Um, I was raised by my moms, my grandmoms, the streets, and God, to be precise. But anyways, I came back to the house. He left the house. I think he went to go rent a house somewhere, and he was living. From my I heard, though, he had gotten another wife. You know, they married or something, 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 something. So the house got demarcated. They put somewhere, you know, put tenants in the house. So the rent... My younger ones were using it to hold it down, and you know, so far and so forth. But when I came back from the streets, you know, I'd given my life to God. My my younger ones made sure I did. They introduced me to God, if I have to be precise. You know, um, when I came back from the streets, I was like a I was like a pit bull. I was like an animal. You know, what I mean, I still had that street mentality, that bite. I was stuck like stuck, really going crazy. You know, what I mean. But boxing kind of saved my life because even from the streets, I always wanted to take it serious. But people kept telling me back then, you know, I mean, when are you what are you going? To, I say, don't worry when I get to the United States, I'll box. <laughs> and they were laughing because I was making so much money back then, you know, hustling on the street. Just living life, doing whatever. Um, so I didn't really take boxing serious until later. When I totally left everything and dedicated my life to it. I mean, that's all I did. I woke up at night, uh, Christmas. I didn't I didn't have no festivities. I didn't really have no notable days. Christmas was training. New Year's was training. Birthdays were training. Even my brother's siblings' birthdays were training. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I was like, I mean, it's just the way I am. If I'm locked into something or someone, I'm locked into something or someone. It's... Get one from there. I don't... I sleep, I eat, I think that same thing all the time. I mean, I, mean, I spent nights watching... My mates were... You know, my, my homeboys were going to clubs. I wasn't clubbing. I was training. I was running. I mean, I was going past them in front of bars. Why are they drinking and they laughing? Like, what's wrong with this dude? He, he on something now. Now I'm talking... But that was just me. Because um before... Leaving the streets. I don't know if I'll call it an epiphany or something. Um, But I actually had. Because um, naturally. I normally have messages. Before Donald Trump got me implanted that is. I used to have messages. I used to have dreams. If I wanted something. if And this is sincere from the heart. This ain't no bullshit in here. When I came back and I gave my life to God for real. Before I came back to the house and gave my life to God. In my apartment when I used to live, where I used to live, um, I got kind of backstabbed for my homeboys and stuff. So, I had the whole street. He kind of turned my hood against me. Um, Then I just gave my life to God. I let it be. I gave him shit to go live his life. I didn't take it back. I let him be. You know, I moved on. I left the neighborhood and shit. But then I already had it started getting dreams. God telling me, you know, you need to leave this life. I'm telling you for real. Like, you need to drop this and take a different road. And this was showing... I mean, in the dreams, it was it was really showing me in different... I had shit that I can't really break down here. You know, shit people would see, think it's some science fiction shit I'm talking about. Or some magic or shit. This is for real. Like... At that certain point in time, my brother was even saying it. Because then he was coming back. At that point, you know, I wasn't having no... I was locked up in the house after my homeboy did that shit to me. Or somebody I thought was my homeboy. This was someone I raised. You know, my... With my kind of life, I was open to anybody. You know what I mean? Help whenever I could help. I raised a whole lot of guys off the streets back then. A whole lot of people. I'm talking... I mean, my house looked like a hostel back then. You find pimps, you find hoes, you find anybody. I wasn't judgmental. Now I'm talking about homeboys, pushes anybody was in my house. I mean, As long as you're straight with me, I'm straight with you. And that's the way I lived. So, this was back then when I was in the street. Um, after God, I would say God spoke to me. I ain't, I ain't joking on this one. I mean, like I had to get my hand out of the street and that um, I had, a whole lot invested in me and if i continued the way i would continue i probably would not go anywhere basically this, the 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 message was that i had too much darkness killing my light that was what i got back then when this happened it was like a turning point in my life so you know i left hustling i left i mean i left i left the streets with a whole lot of things that i probably should have i there was big money on the table i'll leave it at that i mean but i washed my hands i got out said I, you know i face boxing and i face boxing for real you know besides that, i'd already started investing in i had some homeboys who boxed i was putting a whole lot of money you know just you know buy bags buy punch gloves buy shit give it to them and all that stuff but i wasn't really doing it for me because i was you know i was more in survival Mind you, I didn't even mention I got even kicked out from my grandmom's house because <laughs> I was smoking. that was based on smoking cigarettes. You know my aunt, my aunt met me smoke, you know smoking somewhere at night, and you know he got her pissed, and I came back the next day, and you know, I came back that night and she kicked me out, so you know I met up with my homeboys. Um, somehow, I got to go pay for a place. Then I used to work for a newspaper house. And she didn't really, you know, they used to write um, hip-hop publications and stuff. It was a magazine. I was running the, you know, running the play. Basically, I was I was working for them with my own money. I didn't get paid for like three months. <laughs> so, you know, when I'm talking, a whole lot of people owe me money. You know what I mean? I left there without salary. I was working for them. They said, don't worry, you know, they give me money for transportation, for a few things, da 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 but... The salary never came through. So my aunt was getting pissed because she was supporting me. Sometimes, you know, with transportation, I go, I meet her, she break me off a few. At the time, she got tired, you know, and then she was like, nah. So when that, I guess the cigarette was just an excuse, you know what I mean, to kick me out and shit. So she kicked me out on the streets. Uh, I only, I don't even know how old I was back then. So surprisingly, I mean, God was just on my side because even before that... I wasn't my last or my wit end, know I mean when you know money came through somehow, you know, I paid for a place, I got to stay, started hustling and shit, but you know da 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 fast forward, I came back to the house, um start facing boxing, doing all the shit I was supposed to do, and uh yeah, that's how I came to start emailing people, calling people you know i- I was a maniac I mean, I'm always a maniac, and some shit I love, I always put my whole energy spirit men on you know mental spiritual, physical side, everything is in me. I dedicate myself, I guess that's why being a player, I don't really know how to do um I met some good girls growing up, you know, but I don't know i i i i honestly I let most of them go. A few of them, I wasn't really sure. I met more people who were more interested in what I had than who I was. You know what I mean? So I guess that's my that's been my story with women. So I'm always weary when I come across girls. You know what I mean? I, I really have to, it takes me some time before I get going because I'm always thinking it's just somebody who's in for the pocket. Because almost all the girls I've been with is, you know, always just, you know, what we do when we're young and shit and then you know drop a whole a little bit of there and here and get out so that was just my story but yeah um man like i said before i'm scatterbrained here so i'm going to be saying a whole lot of things at the same time anyways i emailed i called i did what i had to do to look for interest to help me get my career off ground I was paying stupid money, stupid money for boxing tapes. You know what I mean? I was thirsty, (laughs) thirsty, seriously thirsty. You know what I mean? We're talking vampire thirsty. Going to TV stations to go drop real good money for some fights that were not even worth shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's how crazy I was. You know, before I started going to internet cafes to go download get good fights, get books, you know, my I didn't care. I'd go anywhere to go buy magazines, drop good money for boxing. Um that was because I had come back from I was living with my cousin. I left after I left the street I went to go meet my cousin in another state. She she used to live in my state before, but you know, she got divorced from well she got in a fight. She got separated from her husband so she went alone. Got a place, she was a real estate agent. So, you know, I stayed with her, bunked in a crib. Um, I was working, that was where I was doing the foundation work, you know, carrying concrete, pouring concrete. Crazy ass labor work. Crazy ass labor work, you know what I mean? Sometimes I come back home, my back is all, my body's all burnt with cement. I'm talking burnt, you know, the acid. You know, we got real good limestone back in Nigeria. My grandfather used to mine that shit before you know had had a mining company of that shit before, but anyways, it was hard work, city to city I mean in that city, we used to you know go on journeys, go somewhere, go to poor a whole church, you know a whole company a whole houses you know what I'm saying story buildings, like I told you before, five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, end up at night at times, you know what I mean, stop like one o'clock for a break that's why most times that's why i have my dinner even till today one o'clock sometimes it's not because i'm hungry people see me eat and they think maybe oh he's always hungry no it's habit it's habit it's something i've been doing for a long time so it's something that i always do now so anyways yeah um after staying back in the state it seemed i don't know i think my 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 cousin, we had a little disagreement. It wasn't really serious, though, but still, she she still taught, you know, she, she probably something bigger, something better, not this kind of work I was doing. But that's all I knew how to do, and that's all I knew. So we had a little disagreement. I came back to the house. That was when they said my father was not there. You know, I was living. I stayed on the low. I had a few cheddar with me. Then... Getting out of the streets, I had um, what they call it. I'd, I I made some investments, you know, here and there. So before I left my cousin's state, I got uh, a little bit a little bit of a link up with somebody who he said you know um, could help me boxing wise in Sierra Leone and on some racket here and there that I could invest. This was in the diamond, diamond in diamond business and stuff. So just a whole lot of shit, you know what I mean? I left there, I came back to Lagos State in Nigeria, got my passport, got shit, secured myself, went to Ghana, Um, Ghana, Cote d'Ivoire, went to Togo, Burkina Faso, Chad, Cameroon, Liberia, and then Sierra Leone. So I hooked up with the link-up I got there. And um, they said the guy wasn't there. Until, you know, a little bit of here, a little bit of there. We push, push, come to shove. And then I linked up with somebody else, you know, who they said I could talk to. And um, things didn't go well. It looked like with the way it was running, it was just some, like some local con con artist i don't know he the way he was doing his shit was funny i don't know what the guy was about but you know um it wasn't based on what i was coming there to do or what i came there to look for you know with my boxing and every other thing too so you know after some time god just helped me because i got extorted in cameroon by the they had a little bit of uh I think they had some kind of civil war. It looked like they were about to have a kind of civil war, internal dispute in the country. So I got um, extorted by the army. So, you know, a whole lot of my dollars were taken from me. I didn't have money to come back to Nigeria. I'm getting to Sierra Leone. But, you know, it was just a long story. Somehow some people pieced together here and there for me. I got back home, you know, Um before I left for Sierra Leone, the day I was leaving, <laughs> the same thing I talked about, like, you know, whenever I had problems, I always had prayers from God. You know, I, I always pray to God. I always had answers from God. Straight, no bullshit. Whatever it is I ask for, if I don't have the answer immediately, with time, he lets me know that the answer has been there already or it comes gradually. But I kid you not i mean this this shit was like magic so before i traveled i already had a dream that was already showing me what was going to happen that i was going to get stuck you know but you know what can i say some of us we need to feel to believe i I happen to be one of those stubborn people so i said nah i'm going you know no venture no success like we say in nigeria so i took that turn it didn't really work out um I came back to the house. I said, "Okay, maybe God wants me to take off from Nigeria." What can I say? No bullshitting. I started training. Um, mind you, even before that time, that was after my mom's death. I had already tried to leave the country. I tried. I was tr- I was trying for Germany at that point in time. It didn't work. That was my stepmom who tried. It was me and. A relative of mine. It worked for him. It didn't work for me. So, you know, I don't know what happened though. But anyways, here I am now. I came back. I was thinking about the United States or the UK. I was thinking anywhere. I was writing even Spain. I was writing just for boxing. At that time, I was still training. um In my cousin's state, I already started paying for a boxing club. My pos- my cousin put good money for me too. But because of the work I was doing as a laborer, I couldn't keep up. Now I mean, I was paying good money, but they were interested in taking the money from me. They weren't really interested in training me because I looked like I wasn't putting in time. I I didn't look serious. So anyways, I get back to Lagos. I come over. I hear that, you know, my dad's not there. He's somewhere living somewhere with a different woman. You know, uh, he's got a different crib. He renting somewhere and shit. So everybody taking care of themselves at that point in time. But I think he knew I was coming because it wouldn't know how I would have been in that house with him. That would have been smokes, serious smokes. But, you know, I'm back in the house, training up and down, running, looking for work all around, you know, construction. And I mean, my homeboys were surprised because they started hearing shit like, damn, your boy's working with his hands now. And (laughs) nobody could believe but anyways, I, you know, I, I didn't care. I just switched off, switched on, switched off hustling, switched on to athletics, to boxing, you know. Um, it was a rocky road training back in Nigeria because you need to understand we have more than, I don't know, nobody knows how many tribes we have in Nigeria. And that's one of the saving graces that you have in the United States here. Everybody speaks English. English is our national language in Nigeria. But we still have our native languages. So the big problem we have back home is... If you're in a state where you're not from that tribe... You don't speak that language. They put somebody else... Not based on merit, before you. I mean, even if you were working in a a company... You know, corporate setting... They could put somebody who don't even know shit before you just because he's from that state, not you. I mean, imagine somebody who is from New York being promoted in New York and you who is from California who's got an IQ of above normal sitting in an office for like 10 years, 20 years. It happens. So that's the way it was. Um, I was training... And besides that, I think my dad was going behind me to go indulge my coach to make sure he fucks me up, make boxing hard for me, make sure that I don't go forward. Be- why do I know this shit? Nobody told me. I was told in my dreams. I kid you not. God was telling me in my dr- I was seeing it in my dreams. You know, I had to figure it out, but he was showing me my dreams. I was getting all the messages in my dreams. So most things that were happening in real life, I was seeing it in the dreams without anybody telling me. But I couldn't justify it because it was in my dreams. But anyways, with the way it was happening, I come, you know, everybody then, I was living in a different city. I mean, my my house was in a different city from where I used to hustle before, where I used to live before. You know what I mean? So, the news was filtering back in my home city about how the guy who everybody knows, who used to hustle and all that shit, is now boxing. <laughs> so, this shit was crazy. You know? Everybody starts like, for real? This is what he's doing now. I start training. Doing anything I ought to do. Doing anything I need to do. My coach was always faulting shit, faulting shit, faulting. Sh- Most of it was because intelligence. It looked like what he was doing, mine was more updated than what he was doing. You know what I mean? So it looked like I was coming in to be the new coach. It's not like I was assertive. I was always the quiet guy, but because even after training, I go back home and I go and train again. So once I train, I come back home again. In the morning I had money so I didn't bother about working if I train in the morning I come back I sleep eat in the afternoon I start my own personal training again on the bag and shit train till nightfall and then I start running and then come back and that's what I was doing in and out in and out in and out in and out continuously so word was getting back to the club that I you know I had a punch bag at home I had a speed bag. I even invested in a speed ball at home, had boxing tapes. I was watching tapes, night, morning, night. All the tenants in the house were listening. My elder brother was training me, was holding the pads for me. We were working techniques inside. Then I go back to the club and go and do it in sparring. So my coach was getting kind of pissed, like, you know, somebody's trying to be more intelligent than I'm giving anybody. You know what I mean? So he was running me down, and my dad was turking behind my back, trying to burn me out. So it wasn't really a good idea, because they were making shit really like double, twice as hard for me. And at the the same time, they were trying to tell me I didn't know Jack. That was the thing. So it took a certain point when we started going for the festivals. You know, the festivals, that's where they pick out people from different cities to go represent the state. That's the state festival. Now, I mean, so when the state festival started coming in, we started sparring. My All my fights didn't go past. I think the first fight was second round knockout, first round knockout. I, I mean, I was ferocious. I was just all about power, 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 power. I didn't learn too much because of my power back home. Now, I mean, I was knocking people out fast. So... At a certain time, I got tired of my coach because it looked like he was saying shit that didn't make sense. And more than that, I was more cerebral and I was always bringing ideas. So the ideas, they always laughed at it. You know, I tell them, do this, do this. They start laughing. I bring a new move. They start laughing. You know, if I watch fights and I bring moves that other accomplished boxers had made, they tell me, well, sometimes it's staged. It's not real. My coach didn't like shit, you know. Whatever I was doing, they were putting me down and shit, you know. So, at a certain point in time, I started doing my training on my own. I left the club. I can remember coming back to the club like three times. You know, he'll disagree, I'll go, I'll come back. I'll tell my brother, like, what the fuck is this, man? Look at what we're doing and it's working. So, I started looking for sparring on my own without my club. You know what I mean? Going out, doing everything I was doing. and It was working like a charm. But when I come to the club, you know, my coach start talking shit. So I kind of got tired. I I was regressing. You know what I mean? So until a certain point when the festival started coming in and I came back to the club, then somebody started telling me. Everybody was beefing me at that point in time based on tribalism and shit. They said they won't choose me. They will put other people, you know, because I don't speak the language and shit. My state's not going to choose me. They're going to use other people and put ahead. So I went to my coach my coach start talking to me and, you know, he actually apologized, to be honest. He told me, the thing is, um, you know, I have some kind of intelligence about me compared to what he is doing. So that's why he's been putting me on the back burner for a long time. You know, so, you know, but I mean, that's a shitty thing. Boxing is no joke. You play, like we say, you can play football, you can play soccer. You do not play boxing. I mean, you can't just play with a human being's life like that. But they were playing with mine, regressing me. You know, coach, when is the fight going to come? It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Delaying me. I had just few fights. You know what I mean? And, I mean, I won't lie to you. I wasn't just like some top shot, top shotter in the club. Because the captain of my boxing team in my club used to whoop my ass. I mean, he was a welterweight. But he was whooping my ass, not because I wasn't good, but because I wasn't taught what to do. I mean, I wasn't even taught how to use a good jab. Are you serious? My coach used to downplay me. He'd tell me I don't have a jab. I don't have a hook. You only have a right hand. Da, 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 da. So anyways, with the way this shit was going on, when the festivals came, and then they started hearing about my sparring outside... Because then I'd already changed my club. I went to the police club and I was training with the police, the military, police army and the Navy and all that stuff. So when he started hearing how, how I was going far, going to the national stadium, going to different places to go look for sparring, then I think he started, taking, he started to hear about shit I was doing. And you know my pace, my endurance level in the sparring and fighting and training and all that shit, he started taking me serious. So when the festival time came, he told me he knows somebody I could go fight for. You know, I was wondering, he said he got some connect in my own state, my hometown, where I come from, not where I grew up in. That was that's Delta State, and then I can go there. You know, so, but before that time, they started doing some kind of shady shit. I think they started doing some kind of shady shit in the club. You know, I mean, I'd ask him for sparring. He starts, you know, the same thing they were doing before. So I left by myself to my hometown. I said, well, what do I need you if I can do it? And that's my hometown. You know, so I called a few homeboys who grew up with me, went to school with me. And, you know, besides that, we have some people in my, my hometown. We have some people in the state, you know, politically, you know, who could set me up. You need to know in Nigeria things, most times it's not on merit. Most times it's who you know you know, or how much you're willing to put down. So, you know, that's how I got in the, They said they would just invite me to the team. You know, it's not really like they'll put me there. They'll see what I can do and shit. That's how I came. And, you know, they put me in a fight. The fight got rigged. The fight got rigged. You know, somebody I was teeing off on easy. I was using the shoulder roll defense. They didn't like it because they couldn't break it. Now I mean, that's, we're talking about the shoulder roll, of course. The one who made it famous is Floyd Mayweather, like we know. So I was using it there. I was probably the only one who was using it. They didn't like it. They said, you know. And I had a stupid hook. I was shaking heavyweights with that hook. So, you know, with the way this shit was going, they rigged the first tryout. The second tryout, they rigged it again. They got me confused in the second tryout. I was giving the guy stupid body shots. When I say the guy, we were like, what, three in our division or four. That they needed to pick one person or one or two people. You now I mean to go represent our state, gold and silver medalists. The one they were picking, later I got to find out in the United States here that they were picking him because his family would, you know, he came from a very stupid wealthy family. So they were dropping money. They paid for his place there. So they rigged my tryout with this guy. I didn't give a fuck. Because at the time I got tired. I just looked at it like, nah you you're going for the state me i'm going go I'm going go pro I'm going go make good money, so you know fuck you and all that. I just threw it out the window and left, came back, took my shit, went back home, faced then I'd already known that my visa I think I heard later that you know my visa I could go for the visa actually um I didn't really know what Teddy Atlas, who like I said, I had written. I didn't know Teddy Atlas on his own was contacting my family or contacting my state's boxing board and asking questions. I don't really know what the story was. Nobody told me. I just knew what I knew. Um tried to get my shit going. I got a B one visa, which is a visitors visitors business visa. I left the before I got it, I left the house. I had to go stay with my steps because yeah, my stepbrother was the one. He was—he's a lawyer, and you know he had to connect to help me. At that point in time, like I was saying in the first podcast about the African setting, how step families—you could have um, what they call them now—warring factions in between a family. You know what I mean? This mother don't like that mother. This wife don't like that wife. Sometimes it turns to a life and death situation. This one wants this one dead or, you know, that kind of crazy shit. You know, so because of, you know, especially if it comes from a wealthy husband, so they could will shit to the kids. All that kind of power struggle, basically, internal power struggle. So, but for me, I didn't give a fuck. No, I mean, I'm good with everybody. I wanted my I wanted my family to get that. I wanted that bond. I wanted everybody, you know, everybody fucking with each other. You know, so, you know, I it's shit that I couldn't do when my mom was alive because my mom passed later out of a heart attack. That was, you know, with constant beating and fighting and shit for my dad. You know, she passed in in, in the hospital. But while my mom was still alive, I couldn't find myself going to go and, Look for my stepsister, go and look for my step brother, you know after a certain point in time, everybody left the house. their moms came to get them when my dad started to fall into poverty and shit, you know, so that was just how the family was but and you know that indoctrination you know your mom is telling you don't don't talk to this person, this one's mom is telling you don't talk to that person's kids so it was a warring faction in my house, this versus that, that versus this, but that wasn't me, I could remember meeting my stepsister some time back where I used to work, you know, and trying to get her address and shit, and you know, she wanted to stay hidden, she, she changed her name totally, she didn't want nothing to do with the family and stuff, so that was how the whole shit was crazy, but as for me, I wanted to kick it with anybody. I wanted anybody talking with anybody. When I came back, that's, I was happy to see my steps. I stayed in their house. I stopped staying in my house. I, I moved over to their place because besides that, though, I'd already started getting a little bit infamous in, in the neighborhood. You know, fights with the tenants and shit. You know, some people wanted to start making trouble with me. I mean, people wanted my life, basically. Fight, like real, real duels, basically. So I had to leave my neighborhood, go stay with my... I had changed areas, change cities, go stay with my stepbrothers. I mean, I won't lie, they treated me good. Cared for me real good, you know what I mean? Real, 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 I mean, they fucked with me real good, like, like, like brother, like blood, like family. But what was going down in the background with Teddy Atlas, I think... They didn't tell me that, you know, he had some kind of shit going on without anybody letting me know. But anyways, you know, um, later by later, I calmed down, you know, I faced God. I didn't have to work. I didn't have to do nothing but just train and wait for my visa and shit. So, you know, I was calm, you know, you know, when, when you're not dealing with survival and you have peace. Yeah, it's easier for you to be that humble guy. So that was just the way I was. I calmed down. I got my visa. I left. You know, everybody happy and shit. I get the address of my my aunt, <laughs> the same person who kicked me out to the street and I started hustling. Then she had already moved to the United States. She was in Georgia. So I heard she got married. So I linked up with her. She gave me her address. I come over to... Georgia. Well, I came over to New York first because I came to JFK. She gave me an address of somebody, one of the relatives I could stay with. I stayed in a house. It was a dentist or something. I don't know, something, a doctor or something. Good folks, you know, they held it down for me. You know, before I boarded my plane, went over to Georgia, Atlanta. Uh, that was Ellenwood, I think, before Decatur. Um, of course, everybody knows Decatur's ludicrous place. But, well, yeah. I stayed there, stayed in the house. My aunt, she was good. I mean, she held it down for me. Um, she's feisty too. You need to understand this is, she was the last born from my mom's side. You know, so, you know, you know how we, what they say about last borns, right? So I guess maybe that's where she, she didn't really blend with any of us from young always fighting. But especially me. We never saw eye to eye. Always fighting. But then again, you know, we all grown up and shit. I get her address. I go stay in their crib. She treating me good. She's already married. She has a kid at that time. You know, I do what I have to do in the house. Take care of the place and shit. But I think I will. I they had the house bugged because even between that time, I was I was the same me, the same energy, the same drive, only doubled. Training, running around you know, jogging, jumping rope, shadow boxing. Um, I linked up with a whole lot of people back then when I got to Georgia. I linked up with, um, is it Buckethead, if I'm correct, Buckethead. There's um, a female coach in Atlanta, Georgia. I think that was the name of the gym. I have to check it out again. It's it. Meanwhile, it's on my Twitter page, though. Um, I have to bring that stuff out again, bucket head or something like that in, in Decatur. a female female coach at that point in time, actually, I did have a crush on on her as a boxer. I was attracted to her, but you know besides that um i I was just looking for somebody to take me in so I could just start training, turn professional you know and i laid the, laid it down, told her everything I wanted to do. I contacted a guy, a promoter in Atlanta. His name was um I think I wrote I even wrote Evander the Holyfield. I wrote anybody at that point in time. But um I, I think at that point in time, they had already hacked my everything that was going out of my computer, my my aunt's computer, everything we were being monitored. How do I know? Because there were there was some you know some soldiers you know some vets basically who lived around that place in my aunt's estate. Who would, they were talking about, you know. I met one of them at night sometime, and he was talking about um someone who was living somewhere, and they they you know they they talking about break-ins and stuff. He was talking about my aunt. He didn't know I was living in that house, but you know he, we went through some kind of convo, and I got to understand that we were being monitored. I don't know if it's by the government or by Teddy Atlas and Donald Trump. I don't know, but, you know, they had some monitoring going on on, on our place. But before then, I had already started writing anybody. Anybody I was writing, I, I wrote a certain coach. He was the trainer of um, Steve Cunningham, a former cruiserweight champion um he happened to be living in georgia and he had a martial arts studio you know like miss martial arts shit but you know i i guess he's a boxing trainer so you know i'm like okay i could fuck with you and he's like well i'll put you up with somebody and you stay with him and then from there he'll tell me how good you are and then i'll see if i could be your coach i wanted him because he was already a professional trainer to Steve Cunningham, Steve S.S. Cunningham, if I got that correct. So, you know, he linked me up. Then I'd already written like more than a thousand emails to different promoters in the United States. But this was the only person who replied. That's why I got, you know, I'm just putting a piece of a puzzle together here. My whole emails were already hacked and it was being addressed to fall in line to bring me to Teddy Atlas in New York with Donald Trump in the mix. It was just some big ring, but I think we'll get to that as time goes. But anyways, while I'm in Atlanta, this coach, he, 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 he's a Navy officer, a naval officer. you know, And it looks like he was, maybe he got threatened or, I don't know. There are a whole lot of shit that I don't know yet. But, you know, somehow, by God's grace, we'll, we'll shed more light on that. Or the truth is going on cover somehow soon. But then he linked me up to this promoter, um, Triple B or something. I think that's his name, Triple B in Atlanta or something. That's what he goes by. But it didn't work out. Then he linked me up with the other guy. And he tells me, now you're fucking with this guy. His name was a certain Chris Sortel. And um, he said he was one of his students. He used to be, you know, one. he used to train under him before. But, um, yeah, he said I should go stay with him. Chris Sautel was in North Carolina. North Carolina is just, you know, across the border from um, Atlanta. So Chris Sautel, I write Chris Sautel. Chris Sautel tells me about the gym. He calls it, he says it's a black eye gym. He said it's like it's a big facility. And in that facility... They train everybody. They do mixed, mixed martial arts. They do you know karate and all that shit. And I'm like, I'm not interested in that. I just want the box. That's all I know how to do. So he said, okay, come around. Two weeks, after two weeks, if you like it, you stay. If you don't, you can go. But because I was already being frustrated back home, you know, my aunt, she wouldn't let me go out because she was afraid of um, maybe... I don't, she don't want me to work and probably I get deported and shit like that or get in trouble, you know, or go fight somebody or shit like, so she wanted me staying back home, she didn't want me coming out for any reason, I only go out to shop with her and come back and I train and you know, you know, you know, that shit is crazy, you're sitting back home, you know, all you do is just train, come back, watch TV, you know, no, no girlfriend, no body, you're just lonely and shit, I hooked up with a few homeboys I went to school with back in Nigeria on Facebook. I had a whole lot of people I left on social media because social media was the only way I could instantly get in touch with folks back home. But little by little, you know, little by little, little by little, I start to find out that everybody starts talking shit. (laughs) I didn't understand it was a filtering process. Uh, It was, well, well, we'll get to that as time goes. It was a filtering process. Teddy Atlas and all these people were removing everybody who was close to me from contacting me so they could do whatever it is they want to do and have me. Basically, I was supposed to be a slave coming down to the United States for them as their property. But I didn't know what was going on. My aunt knew. Why I think my aunt knew was because when Chris Sautel came around, you know, I, I talk with Chris Sotel and, you know, we talk and talk and okay. I mean, these people didn't even know Chris Hortel. They didn't even talk to him when he came around. Because even before Chris Hortel came, the naval officer, a black dude like that, he's in the Navy. When he came to the house, they didn't even look at him. They didn't even talk to him. I mean, she, she was kind of like um, malicious about the whole thing. But I thought it's just her being her because before that time we got into some, like some stupid argument about how, you know, like housekeeping shit. She just flipped and, you know, kind of like threatened me like, um, well, where are you going to go to? You know, she was trying to like tell me, even if I'm wrong, even if I'm right, you can't do shit. There's nobody you can go to. So that shit kind of triggered me because I don't like being threatened. So <laughs> the moment she did that. I just jumped on the next option, which was Chris Sautel. So when Chris Sautel came down to the house, I, I was surprised. For somebody who don't know my folks, he met my aunt's husband. And, I mean, they don't even know him. I'm the one introducing him to them. And they're talking shit about him. And before that night, they, you know, they talked to me about da-da-da. Then me and my aunt, we had some bad blood already from the argument. I mean, she was already fussing and shit me i wanted to go out and be a man you know do shit i wanted to do i was tired 27 and i'm looking at it like if i don't start boxing now when am i going to start boxing you know time is going down time is going time i always said that time is going i'm going it's late it's late i don't have time i need to start you know my aunt tried to talk me into doing other things you know like oh she knows a coach baseball she knows football i said no this is what i know this is what i want to do which is box so anyways, what I did not know is I think she knew that I was already sold out or this, there was some kind of dealings with white America, Teddy Atlas, KKK, which we'll go into later. So that was why she was protecting me, but she did not tell me. I'm sorry, in the rush of all of this, I didn't even forget to... <laughs> say how deep this shit went before I got to the United States which was 2012 um, on the Christmas of 2011 I believe or was it 2012 with all these plans they had gotten in touch with my family I thought only my stepbrothers had been in touch no even my own family they put shit in my food my chicken <laughs> Oh, shit. They put shit in my chicken. I don't know what it was in my food. I ate it. I... My... One of my tooth, you know, got cracked. Starts to ooze. I start to feel pain. Then I was still in my family house. I couldn't sleep all night. My gums and shit. I mean, you don't know what a toothache is. At night. The next day... I, I call my pops, you know, they give me a certain address, tell me to go to a certain dentist. I didn't know it was a setup. I get there, go meet them, see if they can help. They get me implanted in my mouth. They, they put um, a microphone in my, in, my, in my gums, in my jaw, <laughs> which I still have till today. That's why in the prior podcast I was talking about, I'm pretty sure everybody has heard me already. They got me implanted in Africa before I even came to the United States. This fuck asses. I mean, you can imagine that shit. Your own family. But anyways, with all this shit happening, they were listening to my conversations. I think it was sort of like a tracking device. All right. That besides, I'm already in Atlanta now. I didn't know all this while I had a tracking device in my mouth. (laughs) microphone and shit. So, anyways, I, I, I hop in the car after Chris Sautel talks to my aunt's husband who they have some kind of private conversation with behind closed doors. You can imagine somebody who supposedly they don't know, who they supposedly they're meeting the first time in their life. They have a private conversation behind closed doors. And, I'm, and you know I'm somewhere else. I don't know what they're talking about. So they ship me over. We go to North Carolina. We talk. The guy sounds like, you know, he sounds all, he tells me about Antonio Tava. He tells me he knows Antonio Tava and shit and, you know, da, 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 da. And, um, how he sparred with him and Tava don't even know him, but, you know, he had only one spar and fight with him and shit, shit, shit. And, um, how he used to be in Florida before, before he moved back to North Carolina. Tava